This is Jerry Lee standing in for the Manifester, and we are so happy to have you here with us live on the U broadcast. Uh, we just uh, are looking forward to an exciting evening. Uh, tonight is um, the fourth uh, broadcast on regeneration. <coughs> So we will probably sum it up tonight, even though uh, if we really, really got extensive with it, we could go on for probably several more broadcasts. But I think uh, that we will conclude it tonight. So it's an interesting time, and um, <clears throat> we are going to um, we are going to uh, just take it as far as it will go. So, if you have your Bibles and would like to follow along uh, with some scriptures, we're going to start in the book of the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. And uh, let's go to the um, 21st chapter, chapter 21. Now, this particular verse we talked about here a while back... Uh, and it, it is very interesting but we're going to take a little different angle of it here's what it says <clears throat> verse, uh, chapter 21 verse uh, uh, 31 so likewise when you shall see these things come to pass know you that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand verily I say to you this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Now, I have read in a good number of books <clears throat> written by everything from skeptics to confused uh, uh, Christians, <clears throat> and um, I have noted that um, several of them have said that uh, it just appears that this particular um, verse must have been miscopied or, or there's some error or it's just as a failure because the the uh, <clears throat> the prophecy of this verse of the things that were supposed to happen during uh, this particular verse just did not happen <clears throat> excuse me folks <clears throat> so um uh, that is uh, very, very interesting for sure. <clears throat> I'll get cleared up here in a minute. I don't know why I've been talking with a perfectly <laughs> clear voice, and then I just now get onto the broadcast and start getting all choked up. <clears throat> but we'll get straight in a minute. Okay, so what? What am I saying? What I'm saying here that you people that are out there that are this generation alive uh, you know uh, n you know you are still going to be alive when uh, all of these uh, things come which will include the coming again of the Son of Man after he has been crucified and raised from the grave and uh, and all the other uh, signs and incredible things that uh, were supposed to happen <clears throat> so now let's look at this if we were to say that, okay, if we were to say we cannot change this word generation, as some people out there say, you can't change the word of God, you can't, you know, if we were, were 
not able to change this generation, then you would have roughly two things that would remain. Number one, you would have the possibility that it was a failed prophecy. And of course, it was a prophecy given by Jesus Christ. So it would have been a failed prophecy by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, of course, we don't believe that. I don't believe that. Number two, we could say, well, it's a mistake by the translators or the scribes. And then, of course, the minute that you admit to that, uh, the question arises, well, if this is a mistake, and these are some of the most, most major words that Jesus spoke, then how much of the Bible has translation or scribe errors in it? And that's not a nice thing to believe either. But you could go a different way. You could go the direction of saying that, well, this generation that it is talking about is the covenant generation, spoken of in the 105th chapter of Psalms, in which it it is talking about the, the 70,000 years that 70 to 80,000 years that is available in this covenant that God made with Abraham for people to have their opportunity to be redeemed. And so that generation represents that whole entire Abraham's bosom, Abraham's covenant with God time. Now, we know we, we, we must not jump real fast at, uh, at what things mean or do not mean unless we have an understanding by the Spirit. Because in the 22nd chapter of, of the book of Psalms, uh, 27 verse 30, it says, A seed shall serve him, meaning God. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So now we have here an interpretation of generation quite different than it just being the lifetime of a person uh, as given in the 90th chapter of Psalms that says man is given 70 to 80 years uh, lifespan uh, and, and that is counted as a generation. Um, but this is a special case here. A seed shall serve him, it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So now this is considered a divine generation. So in based on this verse, the thing that I said earlier about the uh, covenant generation, which is 70 to 80,000 years, could be the generation, if a person would so be divine to see it, that could be applied here, uh, where it says, Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Because that's a really big word there, all be fulfilled. And and we find in the book of Daniel that, you know, everything has to proceed uh, until the very end of, the, of all sins, until the very completion of all of the uh, opportunities that, that people are to, going to have. And, and that all has to be fulfilled to be considered the final end. 
so so the total fulfillment is a very interesting uh, application to this, especially in the sense of what the real meaning of generation is. Now, another thing that a person could do is in the Greek, uh, the term for the for the word that they translate it uh, to um, a generation can also be translated to mean uh, nation. And there's various other possible translations, and 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 it's just as absolutely as correct. So if you said, "Verily I say to you, this nation shall not pass away until this all be fulfilled," then that makes it also a different thing. But now in the manifest teachings, there's a thirty, sixty, hundredfold. So it's totally possible that in the different folds of understanding it, that you could have a thirtyfold, which would which would translate this word to nation. And then you could go to a, a sixtyfold, which would which would translate this word to the uh, generation covenant. And then you could go to a hundredfold, which would then give you the ultimate uh, divine spiritual application to that meaning, which I will not give to you right now. We'll save that for when you get the Peace Bible. Okay, now we just need to understand how much time that it may be talking here and how, how possible it is that this covenant generation could really be the um, applicable meaning of this verse because when it says verily I say to you this generation this covenant generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled and immediately immediately attached to that and that makes it contextual Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Now, if we apply that contextually, which it is, this automatically is, and it immediately follows, uh, uh, you know, that verse, because it goes 30, verse 32, then 33, then we would look at this and we would say, okay, heaven and earth shall pass away. Well, wait a minute, heaven's going to pass away? And well, I, I, you know, I spotted we're all supposed to go to heaven and meet our loved ones up there, but it says here heaven's going to pass away, and so that means that no matter where we go, even if we go to heaven, it's going to be gone. Well, this is the importance of why a person has to understand when it says heaven. There are many different heavens. The firmament of the earth is a heaven. It says so in the first chapter of Revelation of uh, Genesis, and there are many different levels of heaven, even. You know some heavens that are called paradise. So uh, we have to be sure when we we're talking about heaven. Uh, if we're talking about the heaven uh, where where the ultimate uh, invisible God is, that is what we call the first domain, the heaven of heavens. But this particular heaven obviously is you know one of the uh, heavens in in the, the galaxy or this or, or, or the constellation or the solar system uh, and uh, most likely talking about even the firmament heaven that's above the earth so the heaven and the earth are going to pass away so 70 80,000 years from now it is possible that that uh, uh, an asteroid Large asteroid could hit the Earth, and uh, and uh, and the Earth would pass away in the sense of being uh, habitable for for human life. And that may not happen just exactly at the end of the seventy or eighty years, but uh, 
maybe shortly thereafter. Uh, we we don't want to put any dates on that right now. There's a lot that I could say about it. That's not my teaching tonight. I'm just giving you an example how these things could definitely apply. Uh, just in case you didn't write it down, uh, Psalms um, 22, verse 30, A seed shall serve him, it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So, there's a powerful verse along with the contextuality that the scriptures are in to show that there is some, uh, there's some reality there that the average person on the street has not taken in. And that's what we're here for, is to make sure that people do take these things in. Now, we're back to Luke here, Luke 21. And let's just let's read a few things. Uh, let's start with verse 20. Okay, with chapter 21 of Luke, verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that desolation thereof is nigh. Now, we want to make sure we understand that verse. It didn't say, then know this is the end of the world. It did not say that. It just says that when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the, that the, des, the desolation thereof is nigh. And it's talking about the desolation of Jerusalem. When they're compassed with armies, that's going to be your sign that they are going to des- they're, they're going to destroy this, the, this, this city. And and uh, now we know that in seventy, that after Jesus uh, was was resurrected, and the Romans came and they destroyed the temple and did incredible destruction in Jerusalem, hauled away a lot of the people. Um, was that the time it's talking about? Okay, it says, Let them which are in the Judea flee to the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let them not, uh, let them that are in the countries uh, enter there into. Uh, if you're in another country, uh, you better become a citizen of it. <laughs> uh, For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Here comes back that word fulfilled. Remember, we ran into that in verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. That's a very important part of understanding what that verse of verse 32 means. We have to understand what the fulfilled means. And here we see that this thing that has to happen with Jerusalem is all part of what has been prophesied in the word and it has to happen to be fulfilled filled. Uh, you know, that, that, is, that is not all. Look at verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. Maybe I better take 23. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days, where there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. For they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I want to ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. We know that there was this destruction in 70. We know that that it was made desolate. Sounds very much like this story here. 
We know that a lot of the people did flee. We know that the people that were there destroying Jerusalem, destroying, which were the Romans, the the the, the, um, the holy articles and and uh, and and the, the temple, that that they had a vengeance. They were very very angry at the Jewish people for uh, uh, resisting them the way that they did and being as successful as they were, and so there was a vengeance. So that part of it we can see. Wow, you know, it's just it's just the time it's talking about. And it says, And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of seven of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, has Jerusalem been trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled? Actually, Jerusalem has and Israel have become a nation again. And they're actually a very strong nation for the size of people they have. They've got modern weapons. They've got an army. They've got a navy. They've got an air force. Got very um, technical and many secret weapons. Um, it seems that what it's saying is that this has to be a different time than it's referring to and not 70. Seems like this has to be referring to like what people are calling the War of Armageddon, where where all these armies come and and they're just they're just, you know, in Midigo and they're just fill the valley and uh uh and that that is all going to happen and the it's going to be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times are fulfilled. Now, that is all part of what precedes verse 32. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. And someday I will manifest the meaning of this verse, but not today. Men's hearts failing them for fear for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then, shall, then they shall see the, the um, Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great authority. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And then he spake to them about the parable of the fig tree and about the sign of the fig tree. And uh says, so likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Now, it's all connected then to the, this thing being fulfilled of the Gentiles. It's all connected to that. How long is that going to go on after this time happens when this nation is just basically, Jerusalem is just basically wiped out? Now, let's look at, let's look at some other scriptures um, turn with me to Acts 3.31 Acts 3.31 don't lose your place believe it or not this all has to do with regeneration just hang and hold guess I got the right one Acts 3 maybe 21 no 21 okay 
Um, and we'll start with verse 20. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken of by the mouth of all the prophets, his holy prophets, since the world began. Now this is something that has been on the books for a long, long time. This restitution. It's described that when Jesus left here, he would be he would go to this place called the heaven, which we know as the Father's house, and he would be received there until it was the time for the restitution of all things. And until it is the time for the restitution of all things, he's not coming back. No matter what anybody out there tries to tell you. And that really ties into an interesting thing with John the Baptist and Elijah. And I'll come I'll get back to that in just a little bit. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Okay, now let's look at, let's look at another scripture. Um, let's look at Matthew 16:28. Matthew 16:28. Just want to be sure to give you all the scriptures you're going to need. I'm going to give you some scriptures tonight. We're going to be on some interesting scriptures. But you you got to follow with me. You got to just be relaxed. You know, you got to listen to what I'm saying. And uh, and you're going to get some really really good stuff. Okay. All right. So so we're talking uh, um, Matthew sixteen twenty eight. All right. Here's what it says. Um. Uh, let's see. There shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, I, I, I translated that to you before. And what we showed is that actually, translation-wise, it would have been more correct to have put in there instead of till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, it would have been more correct to say, till they see the Son of Man leaving to his kingdom. Because there were those that saw Jesus when he departed. And he was saying, you know, there, you people that are standing here, you're not going to taste the death until first you see me depart for the kingdom. And that came to pass. And that was very, very important. Okay. Now, in the 17th verse... We're going to go right to the 17th verse and bringing this thing about about John. Um, verse 10, 17, 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah, now Elias actually is Elijah, must first come? Must first come. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things and restore all things 
But I say to you that Elijah is come already, and they have, and they knew him not, but they have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise, also the Son of Man suffered of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Now we were telling you that any of the people out there that do not believe that John the Baptist has the spirit of Elijah and that he is the regeneration of Elijah, then any people out there that believe that, they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah because that is what that says. Because this was, a, was, was set up and it was a must thing. It must happen. A must thing. And it had previous prophecies to it. Now, there is a part, though, that's extremely interesting. And his disciples asked, saying unto him, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must come first? And Jesus said, Truly Elijah shall come and restore all things. Does that line up to something we've been talking about? The, the, the restitution? Uh, the, the, until the, 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 the prophecies of the Gentiles be fulfilled? Of course it does. But the thing of it is is it is not apparent at all in any of the scriptures the scripture that said that Elijah had to come and that uh, and I'll read it to you Malachi 4 Behold I send you Elijah the, Elijah, Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and spite the earth with a, uh, with a curse this was all part uh, of the language of what had to be fulfilled but what our question would be is where can we really see in the scripture the apparent scriptures that that actually happened. And if it did not happen, then is it because this whole thing of the coming of Christ is a continuum? It's not just talking about that one coming, that Jesus came in the body of flesh, but it's talking about another coming. And um, when, when you look at this coming um, that it talks about, it, it, is, it, is, very, it, it is very interesting. Um, because, um, let, let me just say, let me read this. Um, and and you, you make your own judgment on it. But I don't think it's very, very difficult to, uh, to see it. Uh, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. He shall come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, um, it, it talks about in various uh, scriptures like the first uh, verse of chapter 4 of Malachi. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And it talks about these, this uh, tremendous uh, time of, of, of tremendous uh, uh, trouble and, and consternation on the earth. And that this event that has to take place has to 
bring it to an end, has to, has to fulfill it, so that the days of the Gentiles are complete, and the restitution of all things that have been uh, spoken of by the prophets are fulfilled, for, fulfilled and have been done. So, I think, without a question, it is not apparent in any of the scriptures in the Bible, it is not apparent in any of the scriptures of the Bible that uh, uh, that that um, <clears throat> scripture there of John turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers uh, was accomplished in the sense of it being the fulfillment uh, of of the of the Gentiles, and so obviously uh, while John may have come and done a rendering a rendering in the sense of those things that were to happen the continuum of it is still in the happening phase it has not happened so Jesus is slated to come again and until that other coming the restitution of all things has not happened the, the, the completion the fulfillment of, of the Gentiles has not happened and Jesus is being held in heaven until that time occurs and will not come back until that time occurs which is a big subject throughout the whole Bible so we really really have to understand that because if we don't understand that then we're missing out so to begin with this whole thing about regeneration is so important because even when Elijah and Moses came back on the Mount of Transfiguration by their spirits and, and then were transfigurated through Jesus Christ and he, he spoke for them using his physical body, he used their spirit and spoke for them, the whole fact remained in that example that both Moses and Elijah were slated to come back to the earth and take bodies. And this is already after the John the Baptist uh, situation. John's already been born. All these things have already happened. And so the timing there is pretty uh, much made a, a very a definite declaration. And and uh, so this, this thing about uh, regeneration is so absolutely important uh, when we begin to see this scripture like I say to you this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled by the same token uh, Bible says everyone's going to have a time and a chance and until that scripture has been fulfilled until you've had your chance till you've had your time if you haven't had a chance to live long enough on this earth you're going to get that time you're going to get that chance. That's all part of what has to be fulfilled. And if that means you have to come back one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven times, you'll, you'll get that chance. That's just plain Bible. And there's something beautiful about that. There's something that says God is no respecter of person. That God loves everybody equal. And when we think that there's scripture that says that God doesn't love everybody equal, that's just from a lack of being able to understand what it says. And if I get time, I'll go into some of those. So, verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled.
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. <laughs> it's going to be some terrible times coming. There's no question about it. But God's going to take us through it. Okay. Now, uh, as we, we we begin to see these things, uh, there's definitely a beauty uh, to the plan of God. Um, there's, there's definitely a, a beauty. And... Uh, that that beauty is um, is undeniable when we really look at it in the light of the scriptures by the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. That is what makes it so beautiful. Okay, so um, uh, one final little uh, scripture here before I move on to this next one. Uh, let me look at uh, Matthew seventeen eleven. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Elijah and what he must do, and his and that he must come, and and I had left that out. Good thing I found it here. Um, Matthew 17 verse 11, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly must come, and restore all things. And that was a real important part there. I just sort of read over uh, that I'd wanted to say. Elijah, John the Baptist, is supposed to restore all things. There is nothing apparent in any of the scriptures of the New Testament to show that that has happened, except as it could have been rendered by John to happen. Calling those things which are not as though they are type of thing. And so that it is written in the stars that... Elijah will come back again. He came back as John the Baptist. He came back with his spirit on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's going to come again. And it's, he's going to be involved in restoring all things. And until that happens, the scripture is not fulfilled. And Jesus is being held in the heavens, as the, as the scripture says, until that day I read it to you. You heard it with your own ears. It's Bible. And this restore thing is big. It has to happen. It's all part of the scenario. It's all part of the plan. Excuse me. Uh, it's exciting time. Absolutely. Absolutely exciting. And uh, uh, very, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass until all be fulfilled. This fulfillment has got to happen. Okay. Now, um, let's look at some other scriptures here. Uh, let's um, let's just take a moment and look at... Um, let's see, I've got Luke 20, 24. Let me see if I missed something there. Just a second. Don't want to miss anything. There's so many scriptures. be easy to miss something. You'd be missing a part. Well, that was just another scripture. Uh, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive to uh, all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And when this Elijah comes back, you know, he's got to restore all things. And he's going to be involved in that. There's tremendous, incredible thing. Turn to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. Okay. Now, remember, just prior to Psalms 23, 
There was verse 30 of Psalms 22. And remember that in the original uh, Hebrew and Greek transcripts, in the original um, court text that was written, there were no vowels, there were no um, differentiations of high case, low case, capitals, and then non-capitals. There were no spaces in between the letters, or the words, rather. No spaces in between the words. There was no punctuation. And sometimes, if a particular letter was used more than once, they would only use it one time, expecting people that read it to know to fill in that other letter that they didn't bother to double. That's the way it was written, ladies and gentlemen. And so, when you think in terms of that, then verse 30 is not very far from verse 1 of Psalms 23. It was just right close there together because there was no division of verses and there was no division of chapters. Okay, so uh, here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not need anything. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And I'm sure people say, well, you know, these people were, uh, you know, wandered with their their lambs and they were nomads. And, and that's all nice. But I think, as I look at the scriptures, especially like this verse that we just read in verse 30, a seed shall serve him, shall be accounted to the Lord for generation. There's tremendously deep, anointed Holy Ghost things in these verses. So what really does green pastures mean? What really does it mean on the 30, 60, 100 fold level, the still waters? Because somehow, whatever it was that was being said in verse 2 is connected to verse 3, He restoreth my soul. Now soul in this case is talking about the body. There's two meanings of soul. One soul, which is the animal, the body. And animals have souls, they have bodies. We have souls, we have bodies. But it's not talking about the spirit soul, capital S. That is a totally different thing, and that is something that is what you do not want to lose. Now, humans cannot destroy the soul, and Jesus said that. Don't be afraid of these people that can only destroy your body, but they cannot destroy your soul, which is the spirit soul. He restoreth my soul. Back to that word, restore. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. It's very interesting that there is a scripture about David that he has not ascended. And there are scriptures, actually, which tell that David is going to come back and he's going to reign again as king of Israel. It's in the Bible. It's all part of the branch revelation. So he's part of that restoration. And green pastures, 
still waters? Does that refer to other lives? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they shall comfort me. And what a revelation there is on the rod and staff. That's another day, another subject. Just keep these things in mind before you jump over the fence and get strong delusions in your mind about what is and what is not. Because I'll tell you what, uh, this is uh, absolutely exciting time of the revelation of God. Praise the name of God. I feel sorry for these people that get all caught up in exact translations. And they've got all these different translations that are out on the market by groups of scholars. And they'll argue over all these things. And you've got a whole band of scholars that will come together. And they'll take one of the most famous uh, translations. And then they'll go through it and make a decision which which things that Jesus spoke were actually things that he spoke uh, uh, and or things that were a, were a credit to him as having been said but that he did not say and they'll, they'll select and say here's what we believe he really said we do not believe he said that we do not believe he said this other uh, it's just incredible and these, these people are all trying to figure these things out by, by natural logic and the only way we're really going to understand these kind of things is by the spirit it's the absolute power of the Holy Ghost and the spirit that's going to tell us these things when David was led up to the mountain uh, when Moses was led up to the mountain they received things from God uh, by the spirit and that's how they knew what they were to spiritually do or not spiritually do that's how they understood the word by spiritual unctions it wasn't all of the word but it was a great deal of revelation that led them on up the road so uh, when, when we begin to see these things it, it is uh uh, abs- absolutely ast- astounding and exciting. Okay, turn with me to Mark 10. Mark 10. And it's an interesting little ditty here that you'll like to hear, and I'll share with you. Let's look at um, Mark chapter 10, and we'll start um, at verse 27. And Jesus, looking upon them, being his disciples, With men it is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. And this was his answer to his disciples being astonished out of measure uh, when it seemed like no rich person could enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, It'd be easier uh, uh, for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to go in the kingdom of God. And, and they were astonished. They said, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, well, with man it's not possible, but with God it's possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have all left and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, and I want you to hear this very carefully, this never word, Verily I say to you, there is no man, singular, that has left house, singular. Brethren, you can have more than one brother. Sisters, you can have more than one sister. Father, singular, only one. Mother, singular, only one. Wife, singular, only one. Or children, you can have more than one child. 
or lands. You could have more than one land that you own. For my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold fold now, in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, so far we can go along with all that, and mothers. Oh! Whoa! You see, the context, the subject, is singular. He's talking about any man any person and everything's in perfect context in verse 29 the plurals are the plurals and the singulars are the singulars and he says but you'll receive this a hundredfold now at this time houses brethren sisters mothers wow children and lands of persecutions and in the world to come eternal life now Unless we want to say, well, the, the scribes made an error. And we start finding all this error throughout all the Bible. It's going to be hard, difficult for people to even want to believe it. But when you look at it, you say, now wait a minute. How could they be so, so particular, so careful, so articulate? They've got all the, the singular uses in the right place, all the plural uses in the right place. In the verse just before it, they said mother, singular. But after the change that was referring to, okay, you've done this now, you've left these this singular mother, the singular wife, you've left them. But anyone that's done this, you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, in this time, this time is still living on earth, this time is still going on, this continuum, this Abraham's bosom, this, this covenant of the 70, 80,000 years of Abraham, that this time's going to go on. And, and you're going to have your, you're going to have houses, and you're going to have sisters not necessarily the same sisters that it's talking about here at all or the same brothers because it's talking about different mothers and the only way you're going to get different mothers is to have been regenerated into another life be born into another time into another life and there it is ladies and gentlemen right in front of your eyes right there in the word of God it's right there for you to read and for you to believe or not to believe. Wow. Wow. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk about um, the resurrection. I want to get into that just a little bit. Um, let's turn to... Um, to Hebrews, I think it's 11:35. Hebrews 11:35, and let's start. Let's talk about the resurrection. We'll come back to some of these other things, but let's just uh, let's get into this because this is interesting. And this is this is the chapter of faith. Talk about all these things that people didn't endure and 
I read this to you, this scripture to you, I think last week anyway. But um, my comment's a little bit different today. And women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Now what did that mean? Women received their dead raised to life again. There were those that received their dead raised to life again. But, or and, there were others that were tortured and did not accept that deliverance of their dead to be raised to life again. That's what it's saying. Someone says, oh, I don't think that's what it's saying. Well, read the rest of it. That they might obtain a better resurrection. So these that were going to be raised to life again was an okay resurrection, but was not necessarily a better resurrection. And it's right here in this verse. And these people somehow had the spiritual insight, the spiritual knowledge to be able to recognize and to understand that if they accept it, even the idea of the dead being raised to life again, that they're being raised to life again right back in that same time when it was impossible for them to fulfill uh, some of the things that needed to be fulfilled, which Paul wrote about, and he says, they were held back from going forward for our sake because we needed them and they needed us. And he says that in verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. God did not want to make some of these people finished and fulfilled. He wanted to be able to bring them back so that they could help fulfill the people that were being brought into um, uh, into the the plan of um, the covenant at a different time, and, and that is just uh, you know is just so extremely interesting. There there is there is just uh, absolutely no question how neat that that all is. And the scripture, you know, in the New Testament talks about uh, ancient ones. It talks about ancient ones. That uh, that will come back uh, and that 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 will live live again, and uh, uh, we we see that these things are not accidental. There there is a plan. Uh, there there is a divine uh, prerogative that that has been given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you see, so so we have to understand this by taking note that there are so many things that have happened and been written about and that have been misapplied as to their meaning that we have a lot of gravel on the road that shouldn't be there. Now let's read this again. Verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 11. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others 
were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Wow. And then tie that into verse 40. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. He made it so they had to come back again and be born in a later generation. Times that like maybe when Paul was alive. Times that maybe when we are alive. Some of these people have to come back and seed the earth and because it was not provided for them that they could go on to perfection until they were able to come and share uh, by the raising up of that consciousness within their spirit these things that they understood and that they knew way back when but they needed to share them in order to fulfill the things of God same as was as it was with, with Elijah he was to come again and restore to restore these things to the people that have been lost wow that is exciting that is absolutely totally exciting absolutely so you could call these this group of people that made this decision that they would that, that, that they would strive for obtaining a better resurrection that they would not settle for something different for something earlier and they as a group be, were a collective obtainment and as a collective obtainment or a collective group they were all be, going to be coming back and sharing things uh, with other people in their time and just as the Bible says many times people entertain angels unaware I think it's also true that many times people meet other individuals and they don't understand about those persons what it is about them they're somehow different but they don't know how to put the words to it but some of these people are very ancient and they have come back and they are very ancient they belong to an interiority of the great great past and they have come back to share these things and they're absolutely they're absolutely awesome so it's, it's exciting there's no question about it uh, it's totally exciting and we I hope that you're all hearing this right now uh, that everything is still on uh, probably is I'm not showing it right up here on my screen but we'll get her back on the screen just to feel comfortable about it and uh, there we go okay so now let's look at some other other scriptures um, uh, let's look at um, Revelations 20 verse 5 and 6 Okay, Revelations 20, verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, what it's really saying 
is that from verse 4 through verse um, uh, up to verse 5 that there were those people that were going to live and reign with Christ a thousand years and they were all part of the what's called the first resurrection now it didn't matter that these people had all been resurrected had been raised up to be on earth again and reign with Christ a thousand years it didn't matter that the term first resurrection didn't just apply to that particular time that they were resurrected and not apply to this other time of the thousand years because what the fact of the matter is is that the thousand years the thousand years and in fact the 70,000 years and the 80,000 years spoken of in Psalms 90 and Psalms 105 actually refers to the covenant generation and actually all the people that that live and rise and live and rise during that time are those that are all part of the first resurrection that's all considered the first resurrection doesn't matter if you've been dead and alive three, four, five, six, seven times it's still all part of the first resurrection and that's called the first resurrection doesn't say well let's see now he's lived and he died and lived that's one died and lived two died and lived three died and lived four died and lived, died and lived five uh, that's five resurrections no it's not not according to this message understanding of God how God speaks not according to God's understanding God's accounting remember in Psalms 22 verse 30 a seed shall serve him it shall be accounted for the, to the Lord for a generation now the way God accounts things is not how we count things the Bible says his thoughts are not like ours his ways are not like ours they are different and so the same thing with this understanding of the of the of the re, of the uh, resurrection uh, you know this resurrection has a theme to it it, it, it has a general application to it uh, just like that generation, the seed, account it as a generation. Um, it wasn't based on that particular revelation uh, on how many times a person lived or died. They were just applied as a seed, and and there was more like um, an eternal justification going on there. Uh, whatever you know, cast your bread upon the waters, in seven days it will return to you. Every time you cast the bread upon the water, uh, there would be there would be that duration, that time, that living, that life, that experience, maybe passing through the valley of the shadow of death, and then the waters returning to you, and, and then it become in time. Or like the Bible says, you know, um, uh, a, a good man will fall 
seven times and rise again. Uh, no matter how many times that, that you fall and that happens. And like what Jesus said when Peter asked him, uh, how many times shall I forgive somebody? Shall, shall I forgive them uh, seven times or, or 70 times? And Jesus says, I say to you, seven times 70. And and this was all getting back to this revelation of the the you know the the uh, generations and and of the meaning of the of the seventy uh, uh, generations and all of that is it is so seventy thousand years of generations the covenant of Abraham is so so very important okay so now. The people that are not going to be considered <coughs> as those that are going to live and reign with Christ, then they are on a, they are on a standby for being those people that will enter into the second resurrection. Now it's not a finished and closed thing. But they are in line for that because they were not part of the first resurrection. So they are in line for that being part of the second resurrection, uh, which is a very negative, uh, destructive uh, type of resurrection to be in. <coughs> now, to be, now to begin to understand that resurrection can mean such a thing as uh, Resurrection meaning to rise up again, to stand. You're down, you're down, lying in a grave. You're horizontal. You're flat. But to resurrect is to get back up and stand upright. And so the whole idea of standing upright is from where the idea of of uprightness comes from, and it's the whole connection. Uh, to, to uh, that meaning of righteousness and all has to do uh, which I don't have time to teach tonight but with the standing of the sons because the Ophanim fell from heaven and when they fell from heaven uh, in the according to the 12th chapter of Revelations they fell down to the earth so that fall was like a prost, uh, they, were, they were prostrate on the, on the ground they were horizontal they fell um, uh, they lost control Control and and uh, they had in, had to end up taking on uh, matter and flesh, and so uh, with that understanding of taking on of taking on matter and flesh, uh, we can begin to see something quite unique there, and that is that um, that those sons that that fell from as angels from heaven became the Ophanim, uh, that they are to rise up from that fall. And so they have to be resurrected, and they, so that they can rise up and 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 be involved in the standing of the sons, and and they have to be upright, become upright, which is part of the uprightness of of righteousness, being being right, and and uh, it's it's all a beautiful thing. So we mustn't get we mustn't get. Uh, screwed into to the lump of of confusion uh, by asking and and inquiring and being confounded as to the uh, uh, resurrection term having some kind of a total limit because then Jesus also said 
Jesus also said in John 11.25, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Now, the I am the resurrection then takes on something totally different when Jesus says that. When Jesus said, he didn't say, look, I also have resurrected, or I also am going to resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. And he made it pretty clear that, you know, if you come to him, that's what resurrection is about. Well, that totally ties into our teaching of transassimilation, where Jesus said, except you uh, drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. And we understand that blood is a symbol of life. And, and and that the bread represents the body. The Bible says, except you, you uh, confess that Jesus came in the flesh, you're an antichrist. So there is that important relevance of, of coming into that trans-assimilation of Christ, the life of Christ, the body of Christ, how he lived. We have to model that. And, and, and when we do that, then whatever has happened to him, because we are now rendering it through him and in him, and that is also happening to, to us. And that was part of what the symbol of the baptism in water was. We are being baptized to his, not only his death, but also to his life. And, and so that made him the resurrection in a totally different set, uh, not just referring to some people's bones starting to come up again. Now, um, there's a, a you know m many other interesting things that um, that it talks about um, in John 11:24. It talks about people being resurrected in the last day um, because that all goes along with the thing that we just read to you about about. Uh, the 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 first resurrection it, it it goes all the way to the end of the Abrahamic covenant. <clears throat> so the Abrahamic covenant uh, uh, is ever been a part of the first resurrection until the very last day of the covenant is finished and all things have been fulfilled. And so those that are going to rise in the last day are those who are going to rise dur during the Abrahamic covenant because that all belongs to the first resurrection, which is, which is both the Alpha and the Omega. So that is really quite the, the beautiful thing. And, and uh, it really gives us uh, a, you know, a, a different understanding of uh, some of those uh, wonderful insights. Now, there is a, uh, an example that happened uh, when Jesus was on the cross and it tells about these people uh, that when the the temple was written in two that uh, the graves opened and uh, and they came out and began to walk around and and show themselves to people uh, and I know that uh, people have looked at that and says oh well here's what was to happen this must have been something like the the Ezekiel thing where uh, their bones would begin to rattle and come together and uh, you know, I wonder how much of, the, of their coffin or, uh, was left, uh, and they must have, uh, you know, had to claw and fight to uh, get the dirt. Uh, maybe there was, if there was six feet of dirt over them, that's an awful lot of dirt to have to get out of your way. But then, of course, the earthquake could have opened uh, some kind of uh, of. Uh, 
some some kind of separation to every single one of those graves of every single one of those persons that was to resurrect. That could have happened that way. Uh, I mean, it's just as easy to believe that as to believe that each and every one of those people came up out of the dirt, out of the grave. And then, of course, you wonder what the clothes look like. Uh, you know, uh, was the clothes, you know, basically rotted off of them? Uh, who knows how long some of those people had been there? And and uh, uh, would uh, you know what kind of recognition would they even have of the of the city uh, for, for many of them? Uh, maybe uh, there'd been so many changes. Uh, <clears throat> the Romans were in power then. Uh, what would that be like? Uh, well, you know. There's a beautiful thing that people don't really even understand, and that is, you know, Jesus never spoke to the common people without speaking in parables. And whenever he spoke in parables, he used symbols. He used symbols to speak. So if a person uh, understands that it's the, the message of Jesus, it's the word of the Bible, it is the way it was done to use symbolic language, metaphors, uh, to tell a story uh, that is very important, uh, but that cannot be totally understand in the best light without some of these, uh, you know, metaphors and paradigms and and, uh, and and parables. So when you begin to understand that these people coming out of the grave, what the really beauty of that day was <coughs> is there were living people, living people who had something happen to them. Their mind was struck with revelation. Uh, there was like one centurion that when the the thunder uh, struck and, and the earthquake happened, and he said, surely this was the Son of God. Now uh, that's a big thing for a Roman to come to the understanding of, especially when you consider about all of the uh, of the crucifixions that these Roman soldiers attended. That was the big thing in those days. There was hundreds. Sometimes it'd be as many as 500, I've read, or 500 crucifixions in one day where the people were hung on the cross. This, this was old hat with these soldiers. So for the, one soldier to suddenly say, my God, this is really the king. This is really God. Uh, something had to happen. That person was struck in the mind. So that was happening at that very moment uh, that he was talking about the graves being open. So now multiply what happened to that centurion, to that Roman soldier. Multiply that because it's multiplied by the fact of these many people having that experience and understand that these people, their brains were opened up. And the Bible says that the, that the Holy Spirit will restore uh, the memory and restore all things to people. is a restoration of the memory. This is one of the things that has to be restored. The memory that are lost memories because the Bible tells us that all of us now who are fallen ophanims live in the land of forgetfulness which is this whole planet earth. So now when these minds are struck with this incredible uh, divine oracle uh, of of of, of memory return um, all of a sudden these people's graves are opened uh, death and, and and bones and and graveyards and and uh, and all of the other inane things that are out there suddenly uh, do not have the same relevance because their minds are open and they're all of a sudden saying my god I know who I am I know 
where I came from. I know where I'm supposed to go. I know all of a sudden, I just know this, my, this grave that I've been in, this death that I've been in, is, has been lifted by the Holy Spirit. And that was the resurrection from the, from the grave. That's the really beautiful resurrection. And these people, when they began to, to, to get this revelation, because it tied in to, to the, 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 the curtain, you know, uh, of the Holy of Holies was rent in two. So there was this splitting and this opening up. Uh, there, there was this, this dividing asunder and this opening up and, and these minds begin to be opened by the Holy Spirit and they begin to be able to receive these incredible revelations and I want to tell you that in this day and in this age and at this moment these same kind of experiences can and will happen to you well you may sometimes think like I, I, you know it's really hard I just don't hardly get it or it's such a grind it's such so articulate so difficult but if you are faithful and you just hold on very Bearing witness from your innermost being that these things are true and just hang on to them, all of a sudden one day you will have a grave opening and your mind will open up and you'll begin to, to remember things and see things that have long been lost. And this recall will be so divine and, and, and so superb uh, that your life will never become the same again. And, and that is another meaning of, of resurrection. And it, it 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 is just absolutely absolutely beautiful. Okay, so uh, we have a few more uh, things that we <clears throat> that we want to to set in. Um, let's look at um, uh, let, let's let's look at uh, with if you would turn to Romans six five Romans. I'm going to have to hurry up here because there's some stuff i just got to cover and I'm running out of time. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be um, in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay, now, we need to understand the extent of what this whole message is about. Verse 8, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Understand that this is all being said in the future sense and tense. If we be dead with Christ. I mean, this isn't someone that's dead that's saying it. Hey, we're dead. Uh, I hope we're dead with Christ. This is talking about a state uh, of being dead uh, right in the present while they're still alive. Uh, but not alive in the sense of the the spiritual alive. Uh, for if we be dead to Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin um, once, but in that he liveth, he lives unto God. Now this is an important scripture for us to go over because um, uh, people, unless they understand uh, the meaning of this, 
they liable to get this confused again with the other script with the scripture in Hebrews uh, that wants to die wants to live business and uh, so we wanted to cover this uh, Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more uh, one of the things we know about Christ uh, is that um, that uh, in um, Acts 2.31 it says that uh, his body did not suffer cor- uh, corruption there was no rigor mortis that set in and uh, so uh, there is certainly uh, an interesting story because uh, it talks about uh, Jesus being three days and nights you know in the grave and then rising and yet it's very clear uh, when you uh, when you skew down the time, when you really put the time together, and any scholar will tell you this, there absolutely is not three literal full days. But, uh, and I explained a little of this before, but in another sense that I don't think it did explain, there is also this understanding that if uh, a part of a day is, is used, then that is accorded for the whole day. So if you... If you uh, uh, had one of the days in there that was only a partial day, then you would be given credit as if it were a whole day. That was just the way accounting was done in those days. Um, by the same token, um, uh, we know that rigor mortis begins to set into a body just immediately. Uh, if you don't put it into ice, if you don't freeze it, if you don't do something, uh, it it begins immediately. Uh, and to have absolutely no rigor mortis, uh, there is a story there being told that is quite different from any other kind of uh, kind of death that any human would have, because we know that David did suffer corruption; his body suffered corruption, and and uh, uh, but yet this did not happen with Jesus. There is something different. Jesus said, "No one will take my life from me." I I have the power uh, to put down my life. I have the power to bring it, to, to bring it, take it back up. Um, I I have the power uh, to retain my spirit. I have the power to set it free. Uh, there is a story there, and uh, I wish we had the time to get into it. Uh, but this thing of um, of 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 uh, not having sin to have dominion over us, but being under grace. Uh, uh, as it speaks of in the 14th uh, verse of chapter 6 of Romans, um, is all a part of verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Uh, that that uh, verse 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead. Now, you, now the whole thing is, is you render yourself as being alive from the dead. You already give yourself the credit as having resurrected. Because you are now uh, trans-assimilating uh, the act that Jesus did in your own body. And so, regardless of I- any happening of, of uh, the physical uh, death of your physical life, uh, that is all set aside because you're on a much more important subject that has to do with spiritual health and spiritual longevity and spiritual salvation. And as to that subject, uh, it says, you know, uh, you, 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 you do not yield to the instruments of unrighteousness and sin, uh, but you know, uh, you act as those uh, who are alive from the dead, 
and your members uh, as instruments of righteousness unto God. Uh, For sin shall not have dominion over you uh, if you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, let's turn to Romans 7. This is a very important uh, scripture that I want to share with you. And I hope I have time to make enough sense of it to apply. Uh, Verse 13, Romans uh, 7.13, Was that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Now, this this is such an important scripture, and I hope you underline it and write it down, that that the angels that fell were subject to sin for the purpose of sin being manifested for what it was. Because angels in their own mind, with the great power of mind that they had, uh, it to them, uh, their decision to uh, to go with Lucifer and do some of the things they did was only considered to be folly in their minds because uh, they, they could not see it or understand it as being sin, as being betrayment or any of those things. So what had to happen, they had to come down and take on these human bodies and they had to live out these life and death scenarios uh, um, uh, both in actualities and both in, in transcendentals and and uh, uh, in renderings uh, so that through these experiences uh, it could be manifested to them uh, what sin really was that they, it would appear unto them uh, you know that that uh, that uh, it says here that, that it might appear that uh, that uh, the sin as being sin working death by that which is good uh, there was actually a purpose given whereby this clutch of, of, of experience, this dark foreboding uh, uh, path to be traveled, this sub- subduction zone, had to be chosen uh, to reorientate uh, the, the mind of these angels, and it could not be reorientated in them with their high caliber of, 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 uh, of, of mental capability, so they had to go and take bodies, and their, their brains had to be put into a state of lost memory, so that it did not have the advantage of all that angel intelligence and so that uh, they had to to grow out of that uh, materialism into this uh, into this new uh, subconscious realization of who they were, why they were and then as they begin to come into that they could come back into the memory and they could have a restoration and through all of that they would have lived and been able to look back on it and be able to see the appearance of sin and what it was about and what they actually had done and that was all part of the cause of their fall and and so uh, it, it is a beautiful thing so when you start talking about these things about about um, you know a death and 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 uh, uh, <clears throat> all, all of these uh, particular uh, applications um, like in uh, in uh, uh, Christ being uh, raised from the dead, uh, dieth no more, uh, 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 all all of these these kinds of things, uh, it it has to do with a much deeper, more relevant uh, uh, 
meaning than 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 can even they can even uh, be imagined, um, because uh, <coughs> um, Jesus is always coming again, and Jesus is always going away, and. Uh, suppose he was one of the two witnesses that came back and his body uh, lied was to lie for uh, three days uh, in uh, um, uh, in 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 that place uh, uh, spiritually called uh, Egypt and Sodom Um, and and suppose that we applied that uh, one of those uh, persons to Jesus, uh, then you would see that where you know there was another resurrection of Jesus. There wasn't just the one life, the one death, uh, because they are not counted that way. It's just like that thirty-second verse in the twenty-second uh, Psalms uh, is accounted in a totally different way, and it's just like that the resurrection is accounted in a different way. The first resurrection includes the whole covenant time. And this, these deaths uh, that they're talking about include the whole application uh, to that covenant. And so once you understand that, then that's why there is this allowance uh, for, like, the scripture of this person uh, that comes back and, and he has another mother. Uh, it, it just all ties together. It just all has uh, a beautiful, wonderful uh, plot to it. Anyway, let me, let me just set that aside. There were some other scriptures there. But let me set that aside because there's just a few things I do want to cover here. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it, we've got just a little time here. Let's see if I can get through it. Then I'll really feel like uh, you know, I finished it. Uh, it'd be so important to be able to do that. Um, let's, let's talk real fast about, um, about abortion. What, what happens to, um, to babies that are aborted? Um, you know, millions of children die as infants uh, by disease or, or abortions. If these, as it's taught by several churches, several doctrines of theology, uh, if these automatically go to heaven, then is not heaven filled with a preponderance of children by parents who were heathens, uh, abortionists, murderers, deviators? Could we blame a parent for aborting his children, even at the risk of losing his own uh, or a soul if he or she knew their children were guaranteed salvation on the basis of a- age merit via, a- uh, via the abortion. Uh, let's just uh, let's just think about that. Um, you know, there's uh, something extremely uh, extremely uh, vivid about that. Uh, let me uh, let me just read a, a verse here to you. Uh, that will, uh, you know, will will uh, get into your mind. <coughs> um, in regards to children, uh, manifest uh, or Mar- Matthew rather eighteen one through six teaches us to all be childlike, and uh, because it gives us the idea that you know heaven consists of persons with such childlike faith and innocence, uh, but it does not teach that heaven is full of of aborted children. Uh, to substantiate this, uh, we uh, quote the the following: "Cursed be the fruit of thy body." 
Deuteronomy 2018. There were those people who despised the word of God, rejected the commandments of God, and uh, it was said of them, cursed be the seed of your body. <coughs> Just a moment. <clears throat> Okay, here's another um, uh, verse. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children for the iniquity of their fathers, that they do not rise and possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. Isaiah 14, 20-22. Jesus prayed, Our Father which art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, if God did not want the seed of evildoers to populate the earth and fill the face of it with their with their uh, children and their cities, uh, it must stand a reason that God doesn't want the seed, the children of evildoers in heaven either. Uh, also, look at Ezekiel uh, 33, 12 through 20. Ezekiel 33, 12 through 20. So then how is that all handled? Well, that's why regeneration is there. Uh, and, and we already have the scripture. If you look at it in Matthew uh, 2, 16 through 18, <coughs> Herod kills all of these children trying to find and destroy Jesus. And, and then uh, it's already prophesied that that would happen in Jericho. Jeremiah 31.15 and as you go and you read the rest of the story there, what happens is those children that were killed by Herod get a chance to be reborn and live again. They're regenerated. So that is really the plan uh, on, on a wholesale basis. Uh, children that are aborted or die of diseases before they've had their time and their chance, they get regenerated until they do get their time and they do get their chance. That way it makes it so that everybody has an even fair opportunity. Uh, you don't, they don't get into heaven based on age merit or because they were aborted. They get into heaven uh, the same way everybody else does by getting a time and a chance. They live that time and they get that chance. And that is what the Bible teaches and it's absolutely uh, very, very important. Okay, let's skip over to, uh, <coughs> to another one here. Um, prior lives. Uh, however, if we see two paradoxes through the eyes of regeneration, we can see a man in one life living in a vessel of destruction and in another life living in a vessel of honor. We also see God loving Jacob because he was pleasing to God in his prior life and, and uh, uh, loving uh, Esau less because he was evil in his, his uh, prior life. Um, uh, I've had people say, well, you know, uh, the Bible says that you know God, God hated Esau. Well, that's just that is a, a very uh, poor uh, translation. Uh, the Peace Bible says that um, God loved Esau less. God loved Esau less, and that is uh, it's so beautiful uh, the way that that is written. Uh, that whole part, you know, um, it says. Um, um, in uh, Malachi, uh, let's see, um, yeah, in, in Malachi, uh, O Israel, how I have loved you, yet you question my love because you do not understand that there are people I love and there are people I love less. Yet that is true, but not without good reason. 
For example, Esau was Jacob's brother, yet I loved uh, Jacob. I beheld, I held Esau in contempt, loved him less, because he traded his lofty and prized inheritance for a few morsels of food, and therefore spilled his salvation upon the wild huntlands of the dragons of Satan. Uh, then it, it goes on further to show that that uh, that that being loved less. Uh, which was a, sta- a state before he was even born, um, was because of a prior life that he had lived. And it does not say anywhere in that scenario that he had not lived a prior life. In fact, that whole uh, uh, example uh, basically proves that he did live a, f- a fair life, uh, a prior life. Otherwise, then we have a problem with the Word of God being consistent, where God says, I do not respect one person over another, if yet this is a true case in which he had respect for Jacob over Esau, then that clashes, and one scripture is in opposite contradiction of the other. I do not believe that any scripture in the Bible can be in contradiction of another. I believe that those can only be uh, poor interpretations, translations, and and when they're properly translated, all the scripture will agree. Praise God. Okay, let me move on. We're, we're, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Praise God. Hang in there, folks. You've done you've done pretty well. Praise God. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Um, let's go back on this uh, this uh, child thing. This uh, we're talking about the abortion. Uh, children who die in regard to children. Uh, you know, uh, to substantiate with some more scriptures. Uh, I read, I read the uh, uh, the one, "Cursed be the fruit of your body." Uh, I read this other one, uh, "The seed of, of evil doers will never be renowned." Uh, For I will rise up against them, saith the Lord, and cut cut off from Babylon the name of the remnant, the son, the nephew, saith the Lord. That was in Isaiah fourteen twenty two. So uh, I think that uh, that makes it very important to see that. Uh, God uh, does not want to uh, populate the earth with the evil uh, persons, even if they are uh, got the evil in them as a child, and he doesn't want that in heaven either. Uh, you know, so thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, all right, so let me go on. Let me see what else there is. I want to make sure I don't miss... Uh, uh, think we're just about going to get finished up here. All right. Uh, <clears throat> regeneration. Living another life. Um, one of the things that, that Jesus said, um, and, and it, I've read it to you on probably almost every one of our teachings. I've read it. Uh, but I, I just want, I want to read it again. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say to you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the thrones of his glory, you shall also sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is very, very clear in this scripture found in Matthew 19.28, Matthew 19.28, that this process of regeneration is a road, is a journey, is a travel. And and uh, when we come to understand that, 
and 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 we come to understand that living in in you know in uh, uh, more than one house, like in Corinthians where it talks about uh, if if the uh, if the house of this body were dissolved, we would have another building not made with hands. It shows us that we go from building to building. Uh, these houses are just are just these bodies are just houses. And we don't think anything about it on earth if we move from one house to another house. Uh, and, and it isn't any different uh, if, the, if there's the necessity to go and live in another human body uh, uh, because we haven't finished our job or finished our time and chance. Uh, there's, there's nothing that is, uh, is complicated about that. And, uh, and so Ecclesiastes 9.11, uh, you know, I return and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor to the nor the battle to the strong, uh, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet, nor, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet uh, favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Uh, everybody is going to get their time and chance. And it doesn't matter uh, if you're swift. It doesn't matter if you're battle strong. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're wise. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you've got a lot of understanding. Everybody, regardless of whether you're any of those things or not, you're going to get your time. And you are going to get your chance. That is the Word of God. And this regeneration, uh, re, uh, uh, Titus 3.6, calls it the washings. Uh, you know, uh, as, as, as is translated in uh, the, the uh, Peace Bible. And by the regenerations, uh, washings, uh, uh, and the renewing process of the Holy Spirit, which by mercy, Yahweh Yah shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, Yahweh Yah our Savior. Uh, Jesus offers to justify us by His grace. So, uh, I think uh, there's much, much more I could go into, but I think I accomplished tonight uh, uh, where I want it to go. Um, uh, and, and I'll just throw in this one last uh, verse. First uh, John 3, 9. Um, I know I've mentioned it already before, but it's a really, really important verse. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. So we are talking about uh, an understanding that there is a place of regeneration where you become born of God from above. You complete your born again. Your bread cast out on the waters returns. The just man that falls seven times but rises again is all there. That you are a part of the of the wisdom of the pillars of wisdom. You are part of those that are standing upon the foundation of truth and supporting uh, the roof uh, uh, of the temple. Uh, this is so important. Uh, Yes, you will reach a point. You could do that in one life. It doesn't mean you have to live two lives. It doesn't mean you have to live three lives. It can happen in one life. But if you didn't get your time and chance, then you will get another chance if that means a second, third, or fourth, or fifth life, or even up to seven lives. Uh, you'll get your chance. And you'll get your chance, and, and then once you have been regenerated, 
then you are finished. And the seed will remain in you. The finished work of that regeneration will remain in you. And the Bible says uh, you will not be able to be uh, uh, subjected to the body of matter, to the subduction zone of sin any longer. You'll be freed from that because you'll be born of God, not from below, but from above. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That is where uh, I'm going to stop there. Uh, I... uh, want to talk to you just very shortly about uh, Gentile, my plan. Um, I was praying about Gentile for today. And what God has put on my heart is to next week, is to next week I'm going to have this very special Gentile service in which I'm going to go into people's bodies and I'm going to be dealing with people's genetics. And, and, and people that have a, a genetic tendency where they're lacking something in the body. Let's just say there's a particular kind of protein that they are lacking. And this is because genetically they inherited this problem of being able to, um, for their body to, to be triggered uh, so that the enzymes would allow uh, that protein to be uh, assimilated by the body. I'm going to go into the body and I'm going to deal with your genetics. I'm going to deal with your DNA. And I'm going to be dealing with a host of different people. I would say this would be a really good time. People who are having problems with the immune system. Uh, people who are having problems from things uh, that is genetic. They've inherited it. Especially genetic inherited things. My father had it. My grandfather had it. Or my mother. My mother's mother. Uh, it's in the family. That's what we're dealing with next week. And so I'm going to defer uh, uh, any Gentile today for next week for this incredible, and I'm going to allow some extra time for that Gentile part of the service because it's going to be a real important theme. Uh, we're going to really be into healing and the subject of healing and some of the things that God is doing and getting ready to do in this day and age. <clears throat> so the concentration of next week's uh, teaching and next week's service is going to be on healing and and, uh, and and dealing in an emphatic way with people that have all kinds of serious problems that God will heal them through this Gentile uh, oracle that uh, God wants to pour out upon the people that he loves. May God bless you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. May his spirit go before you and give you rest and give you peace. We love you. God bless you.